to kings and queens and queens and kings building dreaming and creating fairy kingdoms i'm just watching i just found these guys on on youtube and their body language and body you know interpretation experts like from the military and from all over and uh they're really, really good. There's four of them and they look at a clip, someone being interviewed or like an interview. They, they, I'm just watching the one with Elon and the BBC guy and their comments on that because I love it. I love to study what people are saying and how they say it, right? And you can see so much from the body language. Well, these, these four experts uh all re reviewing and giving their comments it's f yeah i've just found my uh next few days <laughs> yeah really cool really cool and they got lots of content amazing yeah that's that's one of my interests is just to, just to watch people to study people like i i went to perth to the city the other day or yesterday and just I've been sitting out in the country for so long and then so to go to <coughs> to go to the big city was lots of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh just to see all the different people. I just cruised around the 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 malls in the in the city. And it was yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Just sat and bought a coffee, worked a little bit on the on the dreams, the manifesto and just watched people mm, really fun and that and so like to s find these guys it's called uh i need to my eyes now i need to actually put these on to read it it says the behavior panel Seven hundred and eighty-four thousand subscribers so they're doing pretty well and they even have like training and stuff what a, what a great idea like experts coming on and and sharing their wisdom well that's cool and it's really important it's great to be able to read people because then you don't get uh, in as much trouble I guess if you can see someone for who they are then you're just you're up front everything's how it is I guess it's it, there's so much the world is so full of like uh, manipulation and just people trying to power games and struggles and so it's I think it's important to know these uh, techniques and I actually wrote on my book today is to read the 42 laws of power again uh, it was one of my things to do was to read 42 Laws of Power because it's it's a really fascinating book on how p the, the games of power are played and how manipulation happens and like you have to know your enemy right so to be to be uh, aware of these techniques is important because then you can see them if they're being used on you if we're oblivious to these power games that it, the whole world is playing like subtly or like if you're aware of them then you can put a stop to them 
uh, in some whatever way. Yeah, and that and sometimes it's good just to see something unfolding that way and just allowing it. But if you know, then uh, you just you know. I always I always feel that with like deceitful sort of energies or yeah when you're playing those power games uh, to get power right that it's it's ultimately like karma comes anyway it's like you don't you can't do that you can't you will you may get your temporary amount of fame or you may get your temporary amount of power but ultimately it will fall and so the only true way to get power is through uh, not seeking it Mm. because then those games don't come into it like that's true power I believe that's true power and I I saw a quote I watched June yesterday Highly recommend watching June. Really good movie. And they're going to bring out June 2 in September. It's a really cool cool world. Uh, the whole world is pretty fascinating and amazing. I did. Uh, it's very dark. Like their world is dark world. The, uh, you see like the emperor and it's always in a very dark and very scary sort of environment. Like, to me, this is this whole idea of how, like, it's a form of programming that, like, this off-worldly civilization, another alternate reality. It's like the emperor, it's always dark, is what I'm saying. It's always dark. And, but I guess the story goes, it's the same story. You've got the Atreides family who is the light. They're the good guys. They're spreading light. They're they're fair, and they don't. Uh, they don't. They want to make things good for their people. That's the way I see it, the Atreides. And then, whoever's ruling at the moment, the the emperor and that like they're part somehow. Different families or b- different bloodlines, but they they're all fighting it's like the game of thrones again uh, it's this it's just this constant battle for hegemony the benevolent and the malevolent fighting against each other i wonder what like you see that in the star wars like you got the rebels and then you got the empire but we all want the rebels to win because th- what are they fighting for freedom they're fighting for uh happiness <laughs> let's have fun around a campfire type of life enjoyment and they're the rebels and it's always this rebels against the the evil empire Where, what are they s- telling us <laughs> but yeah it's the benevolent the benevolent and you s- like we the benevolent is who should be running the empire <laughs> this is the the point it doesn't always have to be the malevolent but it seems to be in our history what we're told 
is it's always the malevolent are the ones in power. Mm. Like the conquerors, the ones wanting to... And that... Maybe that's my belief. Maybe everyone has different ideas on what the history of civilizations were. Because I'm only coming from one angle, what I've been... My stream of information that's come to me. Because it, it, unless you're there, it's very hard to know for sure what the civilizations was like. I mean, you could probably... Like, how many prisons do they find? <laughs> Ancient, I mean, you could say maybe they just killed everyone. Like, it's... how. Because I, I would say a benevolent civilization would try to integrate people. If And they would... They wouldn't try and kill people. They would try and integrate them and allow them to practice their culture. And those benevolent civilizations existed. And I believe, like, Genghis Khan and his empire was benevolent. He created the biggest empire ever. All the way to almost Japan. And all the way to Europe. Like he w they went on the borders of Europe. And they had battles with, I think, the Hungarians. But the thing is that in the kingdom, what was the kingdom like? Like, we're not told. But I believe it was benevolent. The thing that with Genghis was, if you um, allowed him to be ruler, but he, you could still be the ruler of your like little area, uh, like he wanted, I believe he wanted benevolency. He wanted light. He he wasn't. He wanted culture and uh, creation in in his culture. And there's really great examples of that. But if you didn't want to join that, so you may have been malevolent in some ways. Then there was a, you had an option. <laughs> And I don't know, like you hear that they killed all the people. This is what you hear. He's also called the, you know, ruthless. And like I question it. I, I question. I, I question him. He's only challenging the leadership. The people have got nothing to do with it. They just want peace, right? Why would he kill all the people? And this is this goes back in history. I don't understand why someone would rule go in and totally wipe them out unless you wanted to rid them their whole civilization you know uh, genocide but you're way better off keeping the people and assimilating them into the your to your culture your kingdom like just allowing them to do their thing but the leadership is different the cut some of the the customs overall are because they're for the upliftment of everybody, then they get accepted. Yeah, I don't. You're not gonna kill all the people in the in the kingdom you just conquered, because there's valuable people. They're valuable for your kingdom. Like that's just one reason why you wouldn't do it. For another one is why would you? Why do you need to? Like it's. Even 
the in those times i believe it still was a big thing to kill somebody like it wasn't taken lightly it was probably taken more seriously and so i i can't understand i don't think we were as barbaric as we're led to believe and i i believe that people were given a choice now there is issues with like i don't and i don't maybe the babylonians and the, like the, these benevolent like i don't i think cultures that did slavery that's more that that's not good that's not a positive that's not a light based around your your society you know you you're it's like it's not a a it's not there's not light there it's a dark practice slavery and so that type of society i don't think is uh and you you could probably even see that in the uh with the mongols like i believe genghis was was for f- benevolency for light bringing culture and and peace and harmony to his people and then so you could see the people he he did attack were usually the muslims he 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 wiped out baghdad so they say so they killed everybody i don't know like i mean that's maybe he did because i know for the they had sent a missionaries to baghdad and the the sultan had cut their heads off and sent the heads back thinking that the the mongols could never get across the desert to baghdad and yeah he was wrong and and his he really impacted the muslim empire i believe in a negative way like supposedly it was at its peak at that time with the sultan of baghdad and and he he basically squashed that that civilization but it was a yeah there was not all the civilization was not all good because it uh there was slavery and the treatment of women was not not amazing right so where i believe genghis and his way was more fair and equal equality for all and there's this little snippets of history like i haven't delved deep into genghis khan but i heard one snippet where he had sent a letter to a uh, a sage in india sorry in china asking if he could come and visit genghis cuz he w- genghis wanted to learn more about the ways the way you know the dao and he yeah he wrote this beautifully penned letter to this guy and this guy traveled to mongolia to teach him so like to me that means that genghis was a spiritual man and spiritual men are not going to uh kill unless i guess this it's this attack on the the benevolence and malevolence this type of where is yeah that that so yeah i i'm fascinated because genghis hasn't his burial site hasn't been found 
and I just can't wait until that's found and I guarantee there'll be some am amazing riches and so much n history that we've lost will be there yeah so start manifesting Genghis Khan's tomb because yeah that that will I, I, I believe a lot of the information has just uh, been wiped about these guys and and then it goes into like you hear about Tartaria but the the Mongols had that civilization and they grew into the Tartarians. Like that's not a, a common knowledge. But who the who are the Tartarians? You get little snippets, but it's like their civilization just disappeared in the 1800s. Like I don't even know if the Russians talk about them. It's this like who talks about them? I don't know. But yeah, there's some really interesting, like they, they had their p own particular architecture. They like to build buildings with domes. And there's even saying that there was a lot of, b a few buildings throughout the Western world were built by the Tartarians and using their arch architecture and design. But then some of these buildings have been demolished since for, you know, unknown reasons. Fascinating. I just went on a real <laughs> rabbit hole there. A real rabbit hole. Yeah, I want to know more about history and f forgotten history, lost history. There must be so many civilizations we don't even uh, know about because they just got the, the maybe the 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 ruler, the the guy who defeated them, just wiped them, wiped it clean. <laughs> No more knowledge of, of that civilization that lasted for 300 years. And the amazing things that they did, and they're like just all gone. But how do you know for sure, like, the, like a book doesn't explain a culture? Y you think about <laughs> the Encyclopedia Britannica, it's got so many topics and words so much information but it really doesn't give you the gist of things mm. but I guess it would give you a pretty good idea if we had a Britannica for each civilization that would be really cool but then if ultimately you need a whole YouTube box full of all the content of the culture to start to really understand like our culture now <coughs> yeah. So really the only way is to just be there and live it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, we're living in good times. Like finding these guys on the uh this I watched like I watched the Elon Musk interview with the BBC guy with fascination. Like it was really good really good and so it's really nice to to see or to listen to other people's opinions on that interview because it was just very juicy with behavior patterns and <laughs> just wow yeah it was really so i felt sad for the reporter uh 
You're just way out of his league. But didn't know it. That, that I guess that's the problem for him. He tried to challenge Elon on... Yeah. I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> what was he thinking? Let's just go out. Like, don't try and challenge Elon Musk. Just be his mate. I guess he was trying to um, big note himself. So you meant getting Elon Musk's scalp. Mm. Yeah, but it's certainly... I feel sorry for him now. I, I know that he'll be... He'd be the pariah. <laughs> Just like the laugh, not the pariah, sorry, the the laughing stock. <laughs> yeah, but the the laughing stock from a ego perspective, it's like his ego got uh, s like shattered, total shatter. You could imagine him having to. Like everyone knows who he is now, and he's that guy with that interview. <laughs> That's <laughs> like a freaking tragedy. But he will come out of it, I'm sure, with a lot of lessons. But I wonder how he's being treated at work now. Like he he was like the the head of the entertainment area at BBC in the US. Yeah. Uh, I would like a follow-up to see how his life's been since then. Because, like, uh, in some ways there was karma there because of the way he was interviewing Elon on the attack. He got his karma. Like he was shining, he was trying to dig holes or like, uh, in Elon, who I believe is very light. He's just, he's a very honest guy. He's just honest. And so, this, the reporter was using manipulation techniques or some sort of like negative reporting like questions to get an to for an attack and it was interesting to see Elon respond and how he responded and yeah he he did pull out the devil fist a couple of times in a really beautiful way he's like Ah, uh, dear sir, I believe you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like that was that was like gold, gold. Nice work, Mr. Elon. But yeah, isn't it? Like this this is the thing that like we we me and the people who want to change the world like we need to understand these body languages and we need to understand these ha the interactions of humans like that and just to understand all the different varieties of human this <laughs> is there's so many and it's really cool it's beautiful like this it's a it's a beautiful thing to see people different personalities different characteristics, different uh, traits. Yeah. 
so and to see i guess it's also important to see those personality and emotions come up in in conversations and to me what i what it tells me in like especially with these interviews and it's just just be light just be like don't lie don't tell any just tell the truth be light uh and be happy and fun and then it's smooth sailing <laughs> as soon as you bring in any type of manipulation techniques or s- standover tactics or i don't know any, anything it's just you've got to be really good at it but you will always fail it'll always come back and bite you and that's the karma right you can be an egomaniac and you can get away with a lot and move a lot but eventually it will get you where i my it's just easier (laughs) it's more fun just being light and just yeah it's just easier to tell the truth and it's easier to and that's like there's sometimes in the past where I've held withheld truth because I didn't want it it was uncomfortable to talk about yeah so like I, I think it's just good to just be truthful and let people deal with it people then have to deal with it and that's the easier that's the light way just just be just have fun be happy like that's like upliftment upliftment love joy bliss connection like all these things like that's what we you you focus on yeah hmm. well look at that i just talked for 26 minutes almost on unstopped i don't think i had too many stops now i'm like okay i'm gonna put this interview on have a listen hopefully we don't get copyrighted they i don't think they'd mind actually see if we can get this going this is the interview Baseline. 
It's the same behavior you'll see on Joe Rogan. It's the same behavior you'll see when he's hanging out with somebody doing a different interview. He's commonly making these little adjustments with his shoulders in many cases, and this is usually social discomfort when you see it. Elon's already acknowledged publicly that he has Asperger's syndrome, and some of the most common behaviors associated with that are difficulty in social settings and repetitive behaviors like you're seeing here in this clip. The reporter's genuinely trying to manage every movement of his body here to control his anxiety and his stress on camera. And this is something that people tend to go through as well when they start learning body language and nonverbal communication skills. I know I certainly did. And there's a tendency to overanalyze everything, including yourself, and then overmanage everything. And this quickly becomes exhausting. And I think most people find this transition point where they just finally let go and take off the handcuffs of kind of worrying about the perceptions of so many people. And people learning body language tend to think everyone else knows what they know. Truth is, 99% of people have nothing even resembling a clue about most of this stuff. Uh, Greg, what do you mm. Yeah, this is really an interesting one. And Chase, I know I'd you like want to keep listening. This guys are amazing. Is fairly complex. I, think, like most folks, I highly recommend it. So, yeah, talking about it. Yeah, talk about it. I watched the SpaceX uh, Starship launch. And that's that's a really interesting, like the whole project, the engineering behind it, the excitement of the people. Like everyone, it like I heard Elon say once about it's just it's, we humanity needs to have something to dream about. And I I agree with him. Like and that like there's there's a lot of negatives. Uh, sort of criticism of why would we want to go to Mars when we haven't sorted out our own planet and yeah fair point it's like what are we doing to fix our own planet because it's, it's not just Mars it's it's we could be putting focus everywhere to fix our own planet we could be planting billions of trees and we could all be doing things to help make the planet better right so yeah so the the but what it's done is it's given us a something to dream about and that is essential for humanity like he gave us something to dream about with electric cars and now with rocket ships and it just drives human evolution and it's a, I think it's an essential part of us as humans. We have to have hope for something. And that hope will get us through so much. But if we're hopeless, then, you know, it's like it's game over if, we're, if we have no hope. And I, and I know the power that, that be know that. They're aware of that. And so, like, I feel like our hope is being destroyed our hope yeah Victor Frankl in the man's search for meaning talks about the, the the essentialness of hope because you needed to have hope which gave you a will to survive like, and the survivors were usually ones who like had 
they were a family that they wanted to see. They had something that were holding them on to life. That they, yeah, there's just this hope, will to be able to have something. And you see, when every when you give up on hope, when you have no more hope, what do you do? People just die. There's a perfect example of that in the millennia, like 2000. It's a big milestone for people to survive to the millennia. And there was a like reduction in deaths on the way up to 2000. And then there was a big increase after 2000. And that that's hope. That's like I'm, I, I've got a will for, to live for. And they s- and it was seen in the the death rates. So yeah, that that to me is the starship is that it gives us hope for our human race, which is an essential part right now because of the the shittiness that's happening in the world. Seems to be more instability happening than and. We have a the dream of civilization is for it to just go on forever in a harmonious way and evolution and and you evolving and your new technologies and just better stuff for that your your people build more beautiful spaces like what is what is the reason why are we here what are we doing what's the point what is it. What is your hope for this life? And so for me, my hope is to live in a harmonious, loving family. That's what I I want my children around me. I want to be in love and create loving spaces for my family. And that's that's where that drive was always for building a community was to to build a space for my family where they could be supported and loved. Because I grew up where there wasn't, uh, you know, my mum and my sister passed away, and my dad has always been estranged. So like, I don't have family. So it was like, and then so yeah, I had to grow my own family, and. Yeah, that's that's my that's my drive. Hope to see the sunrise and the sunset. Like I went for a beautiful run on the beach tonight, and it was m- like tropical paradise. It was so still down there. It's like wow, yeah, yeah. It was like a dream. It really, was it like a dream down there? And that's what I hope for. And they just peace, love, harmony. And 99.9% of the world wants the same thing. Mm. So yeah, thank you Elon for the hope. And the technology and like bringing amazing people together. Like the way I, like the excitement that that SpaceX is generating for the people in it. I know they work them pretty hard. Uh, But, you know, it gives these guys their passion. They get to design rockets and go to Mars, like what the, f- that, that's, you think of how many nerds 
my wet dream that is just boffins <laughs> so you could imagine the just the vibe in the spacex headquarters and then i hope tesla as well i, I hope elon's looking after his employees i know he's probably having to be competitive and work work hard and that's it's hey he's he's done like if you've ever met someone who can manifest things like it's elon like dream it and actually make it happen in this world like this that's the challenge we can all dream <laughs> but it's making it happen and it's so how do you how do you make it happen is the the manifesting skill and he has the ability to do that like he's got that he uh, he obviously has a way with people he can pick people he can pick the right people because he can't do it all he's just his role is to put the right people in place and align it in the right direction and then he lets it go and he and he's sort of involved in the design and yeah the direction of the company and the cars and like that yeah so he's involved in the direction and he's also now like a a king of his companies so he's like a figurehead now he's doing more media he's on twitter well he's he's the the f uh yeah he's the king of that of that world of our world which is that like he's he's influencing so many people like kids so many kids they call it stems that science technology engineering and materials stem science technology oh, i can't remember someone will electrical stem science uh, anyway <laughs> uh yeah those 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 kids would be so excited about that and so there it's worthwhile to me and who knows what technology we get out of it who knows what connections what offshoots from the business two people met at spacex and then they think of b designing a new something to make the world better it's like uh, just the opportunities at such a industry yeah wow really cool <laughs> i saw a, uh, a youtube video of a uh, guy who'd been interviewed on the news who had worked at spacex and he had said that it required a lot a lot of work but very exciting and he, he was comparing it to working with nasa and just the the speed at which the spacex were able to redesign things well there nasa's got all these different contractors and so to change something you've got to go through all these change processes and like it's just very slow where spacex have streamlined all that the design like they're they're up revving things all the time total revisions <laughs> and i heard a spacex engineer say that like this sort of failure to destruction is a good thing because it it tells them so much about the design but they've always got something another like after starship i think they said maybe three months 
but maybe not. Now I I saw a, there's a video of a of or a photo of the the launching site where the, basically a huge crater where the where the rocket took off. It just destroyed the the concrete, and you can see in the launch there's so much debris and smoke and things going everywhere like they say the launch site's pretty badly damaged yeah I don't know how we got onto Elon but yeah he's one of my heroes yeah it's nice to have trailblazers out there shining the, the light like we're using Starlink here at the moment it's like in the middle of nowhere and we've got this technology that's just suddenly opened up to the possibilities of podcasting and live streaming and just like the dream for this place was to have office all like desks all around here and just have some media hub and doing video and doing all sorts of just having lots of creative people in here like a little media media space yeah but it's nice it's a really nice room I've uh, dreamt up my podcast studio. I didn't know that this would be the the final, this current resting place of the podcast. But I quite like it. I got lots of nice pictures, and yeah, I spend all I could spend all day in here. Forty one minutes. Okay, I'm gonna put a little bit more of the video on because my kettle. I had the kettle boiling for thirty minutes. And it was dry, so I got over there just in time. <laughs> All right, let's have a listen. Something has to think about. And that baseline is his, finger, his oh. stapling sitting there waiting, and then he'll start to speak and use his hands and do all of that. I, he's, we're going to see later that when he is forced to think, he has a very different baseline and is very consistent. So we're going to look for baselines when he's doing one thing versus doing the other. All humans do it. We all have different things. And that's how we create a strung together baseline for the entire person, not simply little snippets. So we're going to see a snippet here, a snippet there, and we'll string together what's normal. He, there's another interesting thing. When you are the 800-pound gorilla, when you are the alpha, other people emulate your behavior. Think of Trump and all the people doing this around Trump. There's something really weird about that when you happen to be non-neurotypical and you do odd things. You can even get to a point that other people are copying you because it's innate in us. The four of us have body language that's similar because we're part of a culture. And wherever the 800-pound gorilla is, folks are going to emulate his behavior. So it gets really odd when it's a non-neurotypical. I'd love to watch meetings with this guy. <clears throat> we're going to see some some unique body language as he goes through this. Here he's in, as he's starting to think, he's doing normal kind of what we would consider normal gesturing, illustrating as he's bringing up facts about business. He's lockstep in his cadence, his illustrators, everything's aligned. We call that congruency. And you've seen this in other interviews in the past with him, but when he's uncomfortable, he'll jump up in the chair and do other things. Just listen to the, uh, listen to the techniques there, the, that they're reply referring to like cadence, the way he's speaking, the speed, uh, just all these different techniques, uh, or descriptions of personality traits or mannerisms. Uh, there's so much to these guys that really know what they're talking about. It seems that way anyway. 
So, yeah, I'm going to listen a little bit more. Maybe I'll s jump in at times. Tell me that's just not amazing information. Like pitch, tone, cadence. Like he's totally analyzing Elon and the reporter. Yeah, a lot of lot of juicy wisdom in there. If you're interested in that type of thing, like I, I think it's very important that we are all have these abilities of reading people and understanding people. It should be what we learn in school, actually. <laughs> that would be good. Let's learn that in school instead of having to learn it from the school of hard knocks. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, but there, we wouldn't, it wouldn't have made us who we are now, right? So we, we've learned all that wisdom on the way. But yeah, if we had to learn it in school, maybe we didn't have to learn the hard way. Mm. I'm not sure. Some say that it's better to learn the hard way because you get more out of it. But I think it's possible to learn from other people's wisdom so you don't have to learn the hard way. And if you're wise enough to be able to learn from someone else's wisdom so you don't have to learn the hard way, that's like, yeah, there's, there's wisdom in that. And you have to uh, reach a certain point of wisdom to be able to learn without having to learn. <laughs> I know that like a great example is uh, skiing down a ski hill. Like, If you haven't skied down a ski hill, like I could tell you, because I saw it on a movie as how it's done, I could tell you how to ski down a ski hill. And I could experience it I could think I know what it's like like this is sort of knowledge I could if I've never skied down a ski hill but I've seen it in a movie and I tell like it you've never done it yourself so if you've done it yourself that's wisdom if you haven't done it but you've seen it or heard about it read in a book then it's knowledge that's a good I like to differentiate between the two. Experience is is wisdom and reading about it or hearing about it or thinking you, you know about it but you don't actually have ever experienced it. That's knowledge. And I wonder, you know, the school of hard knocks allows you to know the wisdom. Does it mean you have to go through the hard knocks or is it possible to not have to go through the hard knocks that is my question to the world I'm going to ask that on Twitter that's a great one hey Twitter 
Yeah, cool. I like topics like that. I just gotta I should write it down. Okay, I'm gonna put some more on because of my kettle, and then I'll be back. Super interesting topic. Uh, I'm going to look into it way more. Human behavior. I never did a study on it. I, I did engineering, which wasn't much about human behavior. But human behavior is really a fascinating thing to understand. Ah, <laughs> mm. uh, so... That's all. I haven't been following what's been going on in the world. I have been dreaming of sustainable communities, <laughs> especially the one in Western Australia, and dreaming a lot, which I guess watch this space. I'm quite ex quite excited, but I guess. I've been learning about like, so some of the things I've learned in history recently is about uh, King Arthur and the knights of the twelve the twelve knights of the Round Table and Camelot and 
and and it was meant to be after the Romans left, which is like 400 AD. So you got to remember, like this is after Jesus Christ, which you know they they Christianity would have been moving through the England and talking about Jesus. At that, we well yeah, the, the Christianity. I uh, before that was pagan, I believe. But <laughs> sorry, just getting the butter off my mustache. Uh, this is what I'm starting to understand. My understanding of history is a lot of the history is all about the kings and queens. And the bloodlines and, and the battles between. It's like one taking over another and another empire being created and new kingdom and then this kingdom fights this kingdom. It's, I mean, it's over a thousand, two thousand years and a lot of that happening. But it's all about the story of the line of the kings and queens. That seems to make a difference. Because you get the right uh, bloodline, and then there's peace and harmony, or more peace and harmony. There's a direction of malevolency, or uh, sorry, or benevolency. There's a direction of a, a particular dynasty, and then that dynasty moves or changes, and then another one, and it all sort of flows with the the bloodlines. <coughs> And it seems like it's way more important part of our history than we even could imagine. Or we knew in the past. Like You don't talk about the barbarian tribes having a bloodline of leaders. But they did. The, c- the kings of Norway and Sweden, they were all like a particular group of uh, rulers this bloodline that they were trying to keep and that meant that they were good rulers this is what I interpret it as they were the rightful rulers and that was their job like I love this I saw today or recently itch diem was the catchphrase of uh, a couple of kings it's actually the catchphrase now of the uh, Charles, the Welsh, itch or means I serve. And so that was the, the job sp- spec of a king and queen. I serve. I serve the people. And that's been twisted from our minds in this current age. It's very much the kings and queens have been bastardized and you just got to look at the content in the media about how there's very few positive king and queen movies you know the best movie i've seen about kings and queens without all the hype and bullshit is troy troy is like such an amazing movie because it, it shows a battle of the mind between the king and uh, Achilles. 
and it's actually showing a king who was not the rightful king. He was chosen, somehow got there, but he was not of divine right. He wasn't, his heart was not light. He was a bad man. He was seeking power and pain, and, and, uh, well, power and pain. <laughs> yeah, he was seeking uh, notoriety, to be known, to be, s- to be remembered. And I guess you could say Achilles was also wanting to be remembered. But what <coughs> the thing with Achilles, though, was he was admired by his men, by his people. They all loved him. Like he would have been the perfect king. That's what kings are. They're to be admired by the people. And Achilles would have been the perfect king. But he was not in the rightful he didn't hadn't been given that power as king but he was the rightful one to me that was a positive story on kingship because that that interaction would have happened a lot i would imagine over the th- few thousand years but yeah some of the i don't like the <coughs> I would like to think, and I, my gut feel is that the kings and queens were respectful, and they were kind. Like ki- if they're kind to their people, they're also kind. It flows all the way down from the people just below them, and it all the way down. And I was reading about the yeah King Arthur and Camelot, and that's really interesting because the. The story is after the Romans left, they they found this period of where King Arthur actually owned, like, had conquered a lot of Europe as well. That was new to me, but he was known for his extravagance. He was gift giver. He was always giving and uh, having big banquet like parties and celebrations and like in giving away a lot. Celebrating life. Hello, Mango. Come to say hello. Yeah, he he was renowned throughout the world as putting on, just bringing people together and having a good time. And his court was renowned, and like that's the type of kings and queens I, I think we all need to start dreaming about those courts like it's possible it's there it's in our history that's mangoes doing a bit of asmr with his tail on the mic hello mister so yeah i went to to this big city can't see him. There we go. We can see Mango's head. I'll just talk down a little bit. Mm. Yeah, so, and then the, the red, the uh, renown of King Arthur's court was then talked about forever after. 
it was strived for by the the kings and queens that followed with this this yeah where there was harmony and he was a great man great man and he was admired by all mm. so that's yeah there's a little bit of information but it was so long ago but yeah I found that interesting I also talked about um, have you heard the uh, I'm going to bring it up Old King Cole Old King Cole he was an Anglo-Saxon king King Cole let's look it up King King Cole. So everyone knows the uh, King Cole, Mary uh, rhyme. Everyone knows it. It's very. It says it was a ballad in the 1708, first attested, but King Cole was actually a king of the Anglo Saxons. And this is a, a rhyme that's come from him. But what it does is it tells you a little bit about his personality. He wasn't like a grumpy old bastard. This guy, Old King Cole, was a merry old soul. <coughs> and a merry old soul was he. He called for his pipe, and he called for his bowl, and he called for his fiddlers three. Every fiddler he had a fiddle, and er every fine fiddle had he. Oh, there was none so rare and can compare with King Cole and his fiddlers three. Like, and here's another one, King's version. Good King Cole, and he called it for his bowl. Nah, this is not as good. <laughs> Someone's messed with this one. <laughs> Identity, yeah, Cole Hen. Colin, right? Cole Hen? He was a Welsh king. Translated Old Cole. Old King Cole. Sometimes leads to speculating that he or some other Cole in Roman. He's, yeah, fourth century figure. That's Cole Hen. Colin, right? Colin. Colchester. Old King Cole. So anyone who's named Colin, it's after King Cole. And then the, the rumour, which I feel is true, a legend that King Cole of Colchester was the father of Empress St. Helena and therefore the grandfather of Constantine the Great. Yeah, it's been a couple of Historia books from the past, but the Romans have claimed Constantine for themselves. They would hate to think or hate for anyone to know that Constantine the Great was of English mother. It's uh, the story goes that Constantine's father was stationed in Britain and met Helena, who became a saint by the Roman Catholics, and has a bit of a history with Constantine. But yeah, she went back to Rome with Constantine and participated in that world. Yeah, there's you look into it because the other Helena that they she was born on the other side of Rome. And the, the interesting thing is that it was she was just born to a maid or a, like a they say low class. 
but not of of the ruling class. But Constantine's father was was the the head of the English Roman Empire, I believe. So he was he he wouldn't have just he wouldn't have. It's unlikely. Not saying he wouldn't. It's more likely that he would have married into this like another bloodline. Like this is how it worked. This is <laughs> we're almost I almost feel guilty saying that. That keeping the bloodlines pure or whatever you want to call it, but then that's like uh, it's yucky. So keeping the the ruling bloodline together to keep to ge- to create the best rulers. Yeah. Yeah, that's that gets that gets you in trouble when you start talking that way. But it's a difficult one because there's no no one is to be upset, really. It's just maybe that's the way it is. Who knows? But I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, Colin. King Cole, which I like it because it tells you his personality. It tells you what his court was like. This is the type of courts you want of kings. Like, and I find it fascinating. Like the the royal family don't even have a court. They're like really are uh, quite boring people. I mean, you got. I guess you got to have a court if you're making decisions. But why not have a king's court? And you create this like really awesome atmosphere. S- but it's spiritual. You have lots of artistic people. Cool. You have yeah. Be like sort of like one one to build here in the mindful <laughs> earth. Spaces where people could just have a really good time. So that would be the king's court. But yeah, the royal family don't have that. How tragic. For all of them. That's one thing I noted in the... I watched... So those guys did a a review on Prince Harry in his interview with the American guy, the grey-haired guy. And uh, yeah, you've got to watch it. But what I could see is like Harry hasn't had a lot of like he's he hasn't been educated to to speak like and he's got trauma he's got a lot of trauma that he hasn't dealt with and it's like he's just been on his own it must be a lonely life living in those big castles and then being and what it is is being so fearful that someone's going to see you fart and it gets on the newspaper the next day. That's because that's what Harry said that blew my mind is that they, every morning they had all the newspapers out for the breakfast. Like, I couldn't think of anything worse. Like they were looking for articles on, uh, you know, that 
house the message of the royal family. To me, that, yeah. What a nightmare to live in that world. Because I would imagine with fame, like the only way, you cannot listen to the trolls. Like you know who you are. You know who you are. And that's all that matters. And so to read someone's interpretation of you can really uh, do damage if you're not ready for it. And that's what the guy said about Harry is he's got cracks. He's not healed. Like he's got some shit going down because his mother got, you know, killed prematurely and he never dealt with it. No one ever helped him. He's probably not allowed to befriend anybody. Hey, Mango. Because of the risk of secrets getting out. He's got no one to talk to. Jesus. <laughs> the poor guy. So he never healed, and then he's got cracks, and then living in this world. Holy shit, the world he's living in. With no tools, or very few. Like, that's what they s Diana, I heard say. Like, she's... Sh Diana was trained. She was a Spencer. And a, she is from the royal royal sort of grounding. But she was a, a joyful and, and happy. and Like, that would have been such a loss to lose Diana out of that royal family. They would have felt the huge change in everything after Diana died. That would have been a turning point, I'm sure. Mm. Yeah, it would have been a big turning point for the boys. And then, you know, it's... Wow. <laughs> I never knew what, what had been going on with the royal family. I've just been looking into it today. There's some pretty wild stuff, like, with Diana, but then with Camilla... And like what Harry was saying about Camilla is trying to win back the public so she will do whatever she can to get good newspaper articles, which meant leaking stuff about Harry. <laughs> That's what she said. That's what he said. And I'm like, what the? Like, what type of world when you can't trust your, your father's... Uh, Mum, your stepmum, your stepmum is destroying the internal fabric of the family, and Dad didn't see it. Dad created it, and then the another notable point I heard was Harry said that like William, when they were at school together, William didn't want Harry to hang out with him. Which I thought was such a sad as well. Because his two royals, they're unique, right? Like they could work they could be a great team together. But William didn't want to have anything to do with Harry. Like so for me that was uh that was sad. Because really you wanna build that, that mateship between the two of them. Anyway.
and and like the name of the book spare god what a what a uh, disaster poor diana but yeah there's still always hope there's always hope for the world like i i see that see that i guess what it means though is that the the current family of royals is not not the right family like divine right the the hearts have been weighed and they're not they're not coming up to speed they need to be people that we adore grace grace kelly like we they need to be beautiful souls like angels so you want them to be almost like uh, their wings hanging like from behind them like the yeah th- why not why not like I I think it's possible and I think it doesn't have to be like the Kardashians like you can have wise educated cool as shit people running the place and you probably see that like uh, going back to SpaceX with uh, Gwen, she's the CEO of SpaceX. She like she seems like a really cool lady, very switched on, but still, just still enjoying life. And that would feed down into the whole organization. Yeah, I'm sure Elon wouldn't put anyone else in p- in place. Uh, unless they were the right fit and the right energy and the right light and the right all those things. Hmm. How are we going? Oh, an hour and fourteen. That means it's almost time to end the podcast today. I'm going to post some TikTok videos that I did at the beach, and I got big dreams. I'm starting. I got more big dreams, I should say. So yeah, I'm trying to put it all down on paper and trying working out how to spread my thoughts to the world. Obviously, podcast, but uh, wanting to get it out to other places as well. So yeah, loving it, loving it. So much love. We'll chat tomorrow, and uh, yeah, scratch around.